Those of you that don't know me, my name is Gary Denzer. I am a male that is a man. I am married to a female who is a woman. And we have a biblical marriage. And we are doing our best to be obedient to God and seeing the results of that obedience. And something I know is that obedience to God gets His attention. If you want to get God's attention, you either obey or you disobey. You're going to like the first better. Alright, I want everyone to stand with me. And I want to pray a prayer. I want you to pray this after me. We do this every Wednesday night. And I believe with all of my heart, as God has been faithful on Wednesday nights, that He is going to be faithful this morning. And whatever you came with, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're carrying, whatever addiction, whatever bondage, whatever lie the enemy has told you, I promise you if you will bring it to the altar when we open them up, you will leave differently than when you came in. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Open the eyes of my understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for this service this morning. You have ordained it. You, have, you are so wonderful to give little confirmations of this message this morning. Thank you for pillars like David Wilkerson. God who confirmed it when I was listening to him this morning. And I just pray that Holy Spirit you are welcome in this place. Do a work. We've seen what you've done. We know what you can do. And we ask it in the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Some information I want, you to, I want to give you to help you keep track and understand this message where we're going in 1 Kings chapter 13 is that a man of God, a seer, and a prophet are all the same thing. So when you read in the Word of God that when it says a seer, he went to see a seer, or he went to see a man of God, or he went to be a, see a prophet, they're all the same position. They're all the same. So it, it, this is going to also help you. A donkey is the transportation of a prophet. It's also the transportation of royalty, transportation of someone who's got an important message. So in the Bible, when they saw a donkey coming, they knew it was something important. I say all this to help you with the foundation here as we get into this. And I'm going to talk about this, but I want to read you some scriptures first. This will, these are in the New, New Testament, and I want you to hold on to these. As we go through this in the Old Testament, okay? 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 in the God's Word translation says, False prophets were among God's people in the past, as false teachers will be among you. They, were secretly, they will secretly bring their own destructive teachings. They will deny the Lord who hath brought them, and they will bring themselves swift destruction. Many people will follow them in their sexual freedom and cause others to dishonor the way of truth. In their greed, they will use good-sounding arguments to exploit you. The verdict against them from long ago is still in force, and their destruction is not asleep. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says, Dear friends, do not believe all people who say that they have the Spirit. Instead, test them. 
See whether the spirit they have is from God because there are many false prophets in the world. There, it, this is how you can recognize God's spirit. Every person who declares that Jesus Christ is coming as a human has the spirit that is from God. But every person who does not declare that Jesus Christ came has come as a human has a spirit that isn't from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist that you, are, you have heard is coming. The spirit is already in the world. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 3 through 4. And uh, a time will come when people will not listen to act. Instead, they will follow their own desires and surround themselves with teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. People will refuse to listen to the truth and turn to myths. And then the last one is Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 through 27. This is Jesus talking here, so we ought to pay attention. At that time, don't believe anyone who tells you, here is the Messiah, or there he is. False messiahs and false prophets will appear. They will work spectacular miracles, miraculous signs, and do wonderful things to deceive. If possible, even those whom God has chosen, listen, I've told you this before it happens. So if someone tells you he's in the desert, don't go out looking for him. And don't believe anyone who says he is in a secret place. The Son of Man will come just as lightning flashes from east to west. The NIV puts it this way in verse 24. For false, prophet, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And so I want to talk to you today, if you want to turn and follow with me in 1 Kings chapter 13, I want to title this message, The Lion Prophet. Alright, thank you. Thank you. That's why she's here to keep me on track. For those of you that don't know, the reason I am in this suit is not because I'm bound by legalism. I'm bound by my wife, and she. I promised her that I would wear a suit every time I'm behind the pulpit. So I'm fulfilling my promise to her. The lying prophet. Let me summarize this chapter 13 for you. So we have a man of God from Judah who's going to Bethel. God has told him to go and prophesy against the altar that they have. And he goes and he prophesies, and the king stretches out his hand towards him and tells him, sees him and his hand shrivels up and then he, the king begins to tell him pray for him, me so that my hand will be restored and he prays for him and he's restored and the king says why don't you come home with me so I can give you a reward the man of God quickly tells him that I was commanded by God not to go back or stop or eat or drink anything while I'm here and not to go back the way I came I'm supposed to go a different way and so he leaves, and then as he's resting, an old prophet begins to hear from his sons what the man of God has come into town to do. And he's heard about all these signs and wonders, and he goes out, and he begins, he shows up on a donkey, and he tells him, would you please come home with me? I have an angel that has come to me. And the man of God tells him, I can't go with you. I can't stop. I can't eat. Can't drink. i got to go home a different way. And the prophet begins to tell him, 
hey, I had an angel come and visit to me to tell me that it's okay for you to come home and it's okay for you to come and have food at my house. And so the man of God disobeys God and he goes back with the old prophet. And while they're eating and having fried chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy because that's what prophets eat. And, and it was a Sunday so Chick-fil-A was not open. And so while they're eating, the old prophet gets a word from the Lord that says, Because you've disobeyed me, you're, you're, go you're not going to be buried where you're supposed to be buried. And the, the man of God finishes eating and he gets up and he goes on his way. And as he's on his way, on the donkey, a lion comes up and kills him. But does not kill the donkey. And they find out, the old prophet finds out that it was the man of God who was killed. And he goes and he buries him and it, he is not buried where he was supposed to be buried. So, I want to... I want to go back and break this up for us in verse number 9. The man of God had a mandate. Okay? The man of God had a mandate. In verse number 9, it says, and I'm reading out of the NIV here. For, the, for I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. God said Go to Bethel and prophesy. God told him. God picked this man of God out and said, I, I've got a word for you. I want you to go here and I want you to prophesy. God did not. He says, I don't want you to eat. I don't want you to drink. I don't want you to stop. I want you to go a different way than what you want. He had a mandate. All right. And he says, uh, this is not up for interpretation. When I tell you to do something, this is what I want you to do. This is not put your spin on it, not put your interpretation on it, but I want you to follow what I've given you for your safety, and I want you to do it. And see that God was clear and concise. It's pretty clear. Don't eat any bread or water, and don't go back the way you came. Okay? When God begins to tell you things in your life, He gets clear and concise. And it's not up for us to put our own interpretation on it. The Word of God is not up for interpretation. It's pretty clear. It's pretty concise. What's written in black and white, there may be different translations... But the point is always the same. It's like a bag of M&M's. When you have a bag of plain M&M's, there are many different colors in that bag, but it's always milk chocolate in the center. This is the way it is. God may move in different methods, but His message is always the same. And it's got to be the same. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to do this. And we know that this guy is a man of God because we look at verse 1 through 6. And it says, he goes and he prophesies about it and in verse 2. By the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar. Altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David on you. He will sacrifice the priests of the high places who will make burnt offerings and human bones will be burned on you. He prophesies it. And then the king in verse 4 says, he says, seize him and his hand shrivels up. So we know because of signs and wonders in the word of God that he is a genuine man of God. 
All right? And we know God confirms it. There's no question he's heard from it because when he's heard from God, because when the king stretches his hand out, God causes his hand to shrivel up because he's speaking against the prophet of God. All right? Point two the world's temptation comes to him in verse seven. So we've established in those verses that he is a genuine man of God, he's a prophet. Now, the world's temptation comes. All right, And it comes knocking in verse 7 as from the king's reward. He wants him to come home with him. He wants, him to, he wants to reward him for healing his hand. <laughs> he, he was going to seize him and throw him in jail, but now he wants to reward him. Isn't that just like God turning our enemies around to bless us? And the man of God is ready for this. He's ready for the world to come in and tempt him. He responds with what God says, and he doesn't, he doesn't hesitate. He just says, hey, I can't. I've got to go back a different way, and then he leaves. He doesn't. He avoids the temptation like the plague. He's got God's word in him so heavy that, he, that when the world comes knocking, he just it doesn't answer the door, and he goes back the way he's coming. I mean, he went another way. And he was obedient and went another way. The third point is the old prophet in verse 11. Now, I'm speeding through these first three because I'm going to spend a lot of time on, on uh, my f- fourth point. The old prophet in verse 11, he heard through his sons what great things God was doing through the man of God. God sent a man of God from somewhere else and he wanted to see for himself. I'm sure he's probably wondering why God chose to send somebody from somewhere else to come and do what he has been doing. Because it says here he's an old prophet. So he's been doing it a while. And he wanted to see for himself. And so the old prophet went on a donkey The transportation of a prophet. That's key in just a second. Hang on to that, okay? Now we get to the fourth one. The temptation through the church world. In verse 18. See, this old prophet was a false prophet. He was a false prophet. He could have have been angry. For all we know, he could have been bitter. He could have been complacent. He could have been envious that God used a man from somewhere else and not him. Why? Why, Lord? Why did you bring somebody else in when you could have called me? Why are you you doing this through him when I'm right here? And we don't know if he was complacent or where he was. And the old prophet asked plainly. He came to him in verse 15. And he simply just asked him, why don't you come home with me? All right? So he said, and, and when, he, when that didn't work, because the man of God didn't hesitate to tell him, I can't. I can't go with you. I can't eat bread. I can't drink water. I've got to go home a different way. He tells him what God told him to tell him. But that wasn't enough for the old prophet. And now the trap is baited with seduction using jargon the man of God would relate to. I hope hope some of y'all are catching this. The old prophet tempted the man of God with words that were familiar, the verbiage to make the man of God stop 
and thank. Look at verse 15. He says, come home and eat with me. The man of God in verse 16 tells him he can't. And so in verse 18, the old prophet answered, I too am a prophet. He didn't tell him that the first time he comes up. He said, I want you to go home with me. He says, and an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. The man of God was not ready for the church world to come knocking to deceive him. See, he, he, the old prophet, he was a prophet. That's true. He didn't have an angel speak to him. That was a lie. And he didn't have a word from the Lord. That was a lie. See, in our day and time, the old prophet probably would have said, Thus saith the Lord. Oh, I'm going somewhere. I hope y'all are keeping up with me. Okay? He, was, he twisted the truth to fit his narrative. Hello? Tell me this doesn't sound familiar. He was not trying to help the man of God stay on the straight and narrow. The old prophet was probably miserable and jealous. He had, this was my, this was my job. And you're taking my job. So I don't really want you to succeed. Because it's going to make me look bad. It's going to make me have to address what's wrong in my life. And I don't really want you to be a mirror for me. To see what I could have been. Had I been obedient to God. And. No one is going to take away what is mine. And after the old prophet was a messenger of the devil. Okay. After he heard the man of God, his goal was to get him to disobey God. Do you know how I know that? Because of what he says. I too am a prophet and I had an angel of the Lord come to me. And the word of God told me it's okay for you to come back with me. His agenda was to not get him to obey God. And he was going to use the truth to sway him away from being obedient to God. The second the, second the man of God thought about it is the second his face was sealed. He was resting under a tree. I want to make sure. Yeah, he was prepared for the world. Go back. Remember, the king tempted him. Come home with me. I got a reward for you. The world had tempted him, but he was ready for the world. The king's temptation, he saw a way out. He saw a way out of temptation, and he took it. The man of God did not expect the temptation to come from the, his world of serving God. He was not prepared for the subtle, perverse seduction of a, a word, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Friends, we have got some wolves in sheep's clothing in the church world today. We've got some. 
All right? He was not, he was resting from his victory of obedience. He had just overcome the world. He had just done what God had told him to do. And now he was resting from his victory under a tree. And he was, he was glorying in what God had done. God had shown. God had confirmed. God had done. And now I'm here to rest. He didn't expect the church world to come knocking. And he, where, here's what I want to know. Is where was his wisdom? Where was his discernment? Where was his understanding? Okay? He knew when he'd heard from God. He knew he'd heard from God. He knew the prick. I don't know. I don't know. It all, all it says in the word of God is that the word came to the prophet. Word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Word of the Lord came to Isaiah. I don't know what they felt when they did. But they, they knew it. When it was from God, sometimes it's an angel. Sometimes it's just simply probably in their prayer time. It's in their dreams. It's in their visions. He knew when he'd heard from God. And this old prophet comes and he has not heard from God. And where is his discernment? Where is his understanding? See, he had just seen the results of obedience. Some of you are sitting here today and you've seen results of being obedient to God. You're living in the blessings of being obedient to God. And they keep increasing the longer you're obedient to God. And you're ready for the world. You prepare yourself for the world when you go to work. I'm prepared. I'm ready for the fight. I'm ready for this. But when the church world comes knocking, I'm not really ready for any kind of attack or deception to come from the church world. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm not talking about Trinity Fellowship. We have a pastor here who hears from God. He preaches the truth and we don't like it. We don't. Our flesh doesn't like it. Our flesh just, it's like salt in an open wound. But our pastor loves us enough that he teaches and preaches it without hesitation, without reservation. And whether you like him or you don't like him, he's going to obey God. He's going to obey God. But there are wolves out there that have sprung up in the church world. We've been so good about keeping the world out. Meaning the sin of the world invading the church. But we've never expected the wolves to be raised up in the church by the enemy. And they have had an assignment to destroy the church. To destroy from the inside. We're all prepared for the world to come in. We're ready for it. We've got our barricade. But we're not ready for when the devil comes in deceitfully. And he speaks with truth to deceive us. And so he was so ready for that. And he knew that prick when Jehovah was going to tell him something. And he just didn't keep up his guard. See, the man of God thought him and God had an agreement. I'll do what you say, and you'll just 
let this slide this one time because this guy says he's speaking for you when he's not really speaking for you. But I don't have enough discernment. I don't have enough wisdom to know the difference. And so we in the church world have been so diligent making sure the wolves of deception don't get in the door. But we're, I mean, we're resolved. We're steadfast. We are alert at the door. Nothing's going to get in here. We haven't been watchful about the devil rising up wolves in the church. And again, I'm not talking about Trinity. David Wilkerson said in 2008, the gospel of accommodation is the big deception. And is it ever coming? And has it ever arrived? And is it going to get worse? Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, family, there are a, there is a deception that is here and it's going to get worse the closer we come to Jesus coming back. It's going to get worse. You need to have... I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me get back here. Look at where we are today. We have been lulled into a false sense of security that the church world can't be touched. We just we we feel like we you know our church world can't be touched. Why we're safe. We can come, we can worship, and nothing's going to be infiltrated into our church. And that's when the devil gets us. That's when the devil starts rising up seeds. I mean, Think about COVID. Think about what happened and how quickly the door was shut when COVID arrived. There was something attached to COVID that came in because all of a sudden now we have, we have a rise that's even greater than it was three years ago of identity crisis and identity confusion. And it all started with COVID. How many of you ever, don't raise your hand, I don't because I don't want you to have to repent. How many of you ever said before COVID, man, if I just had some time off from work, I would read my Bible, I would get on my face for God, and I would spend more time with my family. And then what did we do in COVID? I, I'm guilty, just like you. I, fortunately, Chick-fil-A was essential to America's survival. Okay. And we did not have we did not shut down once, thank God. I really believe that was the favor of God. And we didn't shut down once, but I, I, I after I got the vaccine, I got COVID. And I had I had to take two weeks off, and for the first three days, I laid in my bed and watched Netflix. I didn't know. I, I, I'm not man, God's man of faith and power at that moment. I was not in my word. I did not pray. I did not find a way to spend more time. I mean, of course, we had to be quarantined away from each other. But I got lulled into a, a, a sense of, I, you know, I've got all this time. Now, what am I going to do? And it took three days for the Holy Spirit to finally get through to me. To where I finally snapped out of it and I started getting in my word. But if I would ask you, how many of you would say to this day, at this moment, in this time, man, if I just had some time off. Now, anytime a preacher asks you a question like this, he's setting you up. Okay? 
Because then my next, my question to you is going to be, what did you do during COVID? When you had months and months and the government was paying you to stay home, what did you do? We're not ready. We weren't ready. We have been lulled into a false sense of complacency and that we don't think that a church world can be touched. We are not above being deceived. It said if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. I need you to understand false prophets are everywhere. YouTube is a perfect outlet for their hellish message. If you go to YouTube for your word from the Lord instead of going to the word of God, you're going to the wrong place. This is the only place you need to go to get a fresh word from God. The internet is their playground. I'm not saying abandon the church because we need churches like ours and a pastor like ours who preaches the truth. And he preaches a salty truth that has some bite to it. He, it has some bite to it. Go back and listen to these last couple messages. It has a salty bite. If you're going anywhere, so what do we do? See, this message is a warning. I gave you those verses at the beginning because they confirm the Old Testament. False prophets are everywhere. I, I've got a list of scriptures here that I can give anybody that wants them afterwards of places in the Bible, Old and New Testament, that talks about don't listen to false prophets. So what do we do? This message is a warning to us this morning. First of all, we pray for our pastors. If you're not praying for Darren Rogers, shame on you. Shame on you. This is a man that you trust to bring the Word of God to you every Sunday morning. And if you think for one second that that man is above being deceived, you're deceiving yourself. We pray for him so that he will not be deceived. So that he will continue to hear from God. So that he will continue to move in the anointing and in the Holy Spirit. We pray for him. We pray for our pastoral staff. We pray for our church. We pray. We get in the Word. We read the Word. We read it. We consume it till it consumes us. We believe it. And then we put it into action. That was from Smith Wigglesworth. The Word of God. We read the Word. Not, not read the Word. Get on our phones. There's nothing wrong with the Bible app. There is nothing wrong with the Bible I love the Bible app. But one of these days you're going to need a hard copy. You need to be bringing your Bible to church. That's not old-fashioned. That's just something that you... You're, I mean, if you're going to go to war, you're going to have your sword. You need to come so that you can make sure that the person behind the pulpit is telling you the truth. You need to read it. You need to read the Word of God. You need to test everything, this message included. 
don't just take what I'm saying you as fact. Go home, re-listen to it, and get your word out and test what I'm telling you. Test it. It doesn't hurt my feelings. And in fact, I would be thrilled if you did that. Then we seek God through prayer. We need to start getting on our knees and praying like we've never prayed before. Church, we need to pray. Church, we need to pray. There is a, a, is a lion out there trying to destroy us. And if we are not careful, he's going to. The Word tells us that in the last days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. Go on YouTube and you will find doctrines of devil prevalent. And then we need to get in the atmosphere. That means we need to come to church. We don't need to sit on our blessed assurance at home and watch it on, on YouTube. You have to get in the atmosphere because when you're in the atmosphere that has been swept and garnished, God moves. How can you have us pray for you and lay our hands on you if you're watching it from a screen and you have a need? I understand people have to work. I understand it. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you just decide to hit the snooze alarm, and you're like, eh, I'll just watch it online. We've got now the habit of coming to church. We need to get in the atmosphere. The atmosphere is wherever God is moving. Those of you that are watching this, if you are not in a church where the atmosphere is where God can move, you need to find a church that God moves in. And there's a pretty good one right here at Trinity Fellowship. We need to get in the atmosphere. Then we need to fast. Fasting is to the church world today an outdated, antiquated thing that I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up my food. I don't want to give up my seven brew. I don't want to give up my Starbucks. I don't want to give up my cup of coffee. There's a theme there. Come on. Some of y'all, you need to give up some seven brew every now and then because you've gotten to where you spend more time at seven brew and you make sure that you get up to get to seven brew before you go to work instead of making sure you got up enough time to read the word of God, get in prayer with him, and you've made sure you've got your cup of coffee when you get to work. But you haven't spent time with God. So when you get in a bind and you get in a situation, you better go to the Seven Brew drive through and you better ask them to pray for you instead of coming to church and asking us to pray for you because you've not spent any time in prayer about that situation. Oh, I'm getting off on a soapbox. This is my wife's fault. She prayed this. We ask for wisdom, discernment, and understanding. Have you ever read in the, in the Old Testament where Solomon, Solomon didn't ask for wisdom? Did you ever notice how it's worded? Solomon did not ask for wisdom. He asked for an understanding heart. And God gave him wisdom. Do you know why I know he didn't ask for wisdom? Because he has 700 wives. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's not a man with wisdom right there. That is not a man with wisdom. That's a man of the flesh. 
Because you notice as you read about him, the more wives he got, the farther away from God he got. Because his wives, because they, they looked at him and said, Honey, schmoopy, darling, baby cakes. I need a grove out here to worship my God. And, honey, you are the best king that we've ever had. And I just want you to know people don't appreciate you the way they do. People don't understand you the way I do. And I just need a grove out here to worship my God. Will you build me a grove? And what did he do? He built her a grove. Friends, family, I'm telling you, this is how the devil is going to work in these last days. He's not going to come in. I mean, we're, we're already prepared for the world because the world is out there proudly displaying their sin in front of us. They're not ashamed of it anymore. So we're prepared. We're making the blockades. We are preparing ourselves for the attack coming from the world. But we're not prepared for the devil to come up beside us and say, Man, those people in that church just don't understand you. They don't see value in what you're doing. Why, why have they got so-and-so leading that when you could be the one that could be doing it so much better? You are such, such a great person. Man, the words of God that come out of your mouth are just phenomenal. Man, when you lay hands on people, man, they start to get saved. They start to get healed. They start, well, I don't understand why. You need to leave that church. Well, they didn't ask me to make my, your favorite pie. Oh, you need to leave that church. They didn't sing your, Victor didn't have them sing your favorite song this morning. You need to leave that church. See, we're not prepared for that. But I'm telling you, these tools that I'm giving you right here at the end, and if I could have my, my people I've asked to pray in the altars to come on down, if I could have a piano player or some music, that would be fantastic. But I'm just telling you, this message is a warning. See, the man of God, when he was in that town, he was prepared for the king. He was prepared to deal with the world, but he wasn't prepared to deal with the seductive, deceptive power that was coming from the devil. When it's in your face, it's easy to deal with. But when it's subtle, when it's seductive, when it's truth mixed with lies... It's hard to know. And so this is why you've got, we've got to pray for our leaders. We've got to test everything. We've got to read the Word. We've got to read the Word. We've got to read the Word. We have got to read the Word. We have got to read the Word. The Word is effective for every situation you are going through. It is relevant for everything you will encounter in this world. You can find it in these pages right here. 66 books, 40 different authors over 400 years. This is a marvel right here. That it survived all these hundreds of years 
And we have it intact with us. And most of us have four or five copies, but we never crack it open. We've got to read the Word. We've got to seek God in prayer. And that's not making a prayer list. I'm all for a prayer list. I have a big prayer list. I pray for people. And that's not just a a nicety. I pray. But sometimes we got to seek God by simply sitting there and listening for Him to speak. We have to seek Him. And then we have to get in the atmosphere. you got to come to church. you got to go because it's so easy to get out of the habit of coming to church. Let the Holy Spirit direct you to what church you're going to. Some of you watching this, God is going to tell you to start coming to this church because the anointing flows here. God's doing things and word's getting out. Be prepared. We have to fast. We have to ask for wisdom, discernment, and understanding. Paul says in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, I pray that God will give you wisdom and revelation to know God better and that the eyes of your understanding will be opened. He's praying that for the church at Ephesus. we got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. There's a power that comes on you after which the Holy Ghost has come on. And it says there that it's going to give you power to be witnesses and to talk the way you've never talked. If you notice before, before Pentecost, Peter had denied Jesus three times. And he was trying to hide. But after Pentecost, it says that Peter boldly stood up with the eleven. And he began to teach and preach. We need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. If you don't know what that is, that's a gift that comes straight from Jesus. He's the baptizer. And then we need to put off, get out, don't touch those things that God considers sin. Gary, how do I know what God considers sin? You get in the Word of God. If you want to hear from God, you better start getting in the Word of God. He wants to hear. He wants to touch you. He wants you to be a, a, a powerful vessel. And this morning, I don't really feel like I've done this message justice. But it's not up to me. That's why I had you pray that prayer. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Open the eyes of my understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand with me. This altar call is simple. We are living in a day and a time where we need wisdom discernment and understanding like we have never needed it before. You could have a lying prophet come to you and would you know whether he was telling the truth or not? We need it. Whether you believe me or not, whether you 
think that I am crazy or I'm off my rocker or I am being a fear monger trying to cause a lot of fear, I, I don't care. You need it because it's coming. It's coming. There could be a day if the Lord tarries that we are not allowed to gather together. And we truly don't know what persecution is. We don't know what persecution is. But you need in these days, in these months, in these years to come, as long as Jesus tarries, you need to have wisdom, discernment, and understanding. And if you are that today, you want that, I want you to get out from where you come. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to come down here. I've got people that are here ready to pray. We're going to pray. If you want wisdom and understanding and discernment, don't sit there and say, I've already got enough. Because you don't. You don't. And I don't want you to be deceived. I want to stand there and cheer you on when you hear, well done. You need wisdom, discernment, understanding. You want those things. Because it says in James, if anyone lacks, let him ask of God who gives liberally. You need it. If you're sitting there thinking, oh, I don't need it. You need it. And I want you to come. I want you to come. Don't hesitate. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Find somebody down there to pray with. Come on. Come on. Come on. Wisdom, discernment, understanding. Be patient. If somebody's not praying with you, we'll get to you. I promise. And then I want to open the altars up. If you are here this morning and you have a need, you need God to do something in your body. You need you have something you're burdened with. You have something that you need help with. You need God to intervene. You need a God moment. You need an even now moment. You need an it is well moment. I want you to come down. I can't see very well. Okay, good. I was looking for you. Praise God. If there is somebody down here that you know and you want to come and stand behind them, I want to invite you to do that right now. Come on, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Give them wisdom, give them discernment. Give them understanding right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Right now in the name of Jesus.